Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad that you are here. You guys get kudos because it is time change. Was anybody here supposed to go to the early service and you just didn't know? (laughs) Bella says, yeah, count me in. Yes, I say with the new iPhones and all of our technology, it just gets us up and somebody's probably going, oh, time change. I didn't even notice. Yeah. So we're glad that you're here. We're glad you're watching online. Thank you for being part of our community as a church. And I already got a couple of texts from the last service going, man, I didn't even know you guys were still around. So if you're online and you haven't come back, come back. I want to see your face. We miss you guys. You're, you're part of our community. We have a lot of people who can't come, who live far away or, or have an illness or we're so, are we blessed with technology that we can do this? But if you were able, come back, come, come be with us. So um, we're in the middle of our series. You guys, Pastor Bill has been talking about our seven core values as a, a church. What we really focus on, we push hard to the hoop to try to accomplish. But the cool thing about it is there are also values that we should all have within our lives, within all of our relationships, with our family relationships, with your work relationships. These are values that glorify God, that help us to be who God has called us to be. So a few weeks ago, he talked about faith. That's really important, right? Believing and seeking God's best for your life. Number two, authenticity, being real, same person on Monday that you were on Sunday. And I'll tell you, this is an identifier with our church. As you guys know, Pastor Bill is truly authentic. And he allows our staff to be authentic. That's something that I would say is really a huge thing about our church that we really um, are very thankful for. We don't have to pretend to be people that we're not. Integrity, believing in doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. Talks about our character. Um, so important. Excellence. Last week, doing our best and trusting God with the rest day in and day out. Something we should strive for. And this week, our fifth week, we're going to talk about community and what that means, what that looks like, creating an atmosphere where people can strengthen and support each other. It's huge difference in our church. In this big room, we come together. And this is a community within itself. But You don't really get a lot of time of interaction and support. So we have lots and lots of small groups and serving groups, and we have a plethora of things that you could be involved in, where you could get to know people. People know your name. I think of that cheer song every time I say that, right? You want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're glad that you came, and they notice if you're not here and want you to be here because we're not who we should be without you here. It's kind of like your family when you have a big get-together. I have a son in Colorado right now, and and when we do birthdays and all the things that we all used to do together, there's always one missing because he's in Colorado. We're not the same without his crazy self. His sister would say he's a little crazy. Um, He beats to his own drum, and he's forgotten something and left something, and it's always going to be interesting and fun. But when we love our family, we want them there with us. And it's the same about you guys. So we love that you're here, that you're a part of this family that we call community at the Met. The Bible, God's very word and plan for our life, right? Talks a lot about community. And in fact, 85% of the directives, the things that the, the Bible challenges us to do are about community. They're about people. It's about how we live our life with others, how we react with others, how we encourage 
one another. They're called the one another's in scripture. Pray for one another, care for one another. There's a lot of one another's in scripture that God wants us to be intentional about. Like we always say, it's not about me. Yeah, it's really not about me. It's about what God's called me to do and to make a difference in this community that he has called us to. Now, I'm gonna talk for just a second about personalities because this is a big part of community. So some of you, I include me in this one, right? Are extroverts, right? We love to be around people. People energize us. People, um, that's what we live for, is, is being around people. It, when I'm around people, I don't get tired. It really energizes me. Now, if you're an introvert in here, raise your hand. I wanna see who you are. Yes, Max, you are too, an extrovert. He didn't raise his hand. I'm gonna call him out. Um, so, yes. So it's easier for us to be in community and to be around people because we are wired that way. Now, introverts, you're in one of the two, typically. Introverts, if you're an introvert in the room, raise your hand. Let's see, I know. Donnie, you're an introvert. Yes, I'm like, I know a bunch of you guys are introverts. Usually more introverts than extroverts. Isn't that interesting? Now, extroverts, you're good with people and you really like people, you can just stand so much of it. So much of the talk, so much of the action, so much of the engagement, so much of the drama, right? It wears you out. And by the end of the day, if you've been around people a lot, you need to go home, reset, sit on the back porch, take it easy, and not be around so much people. So yes, I'm an extrovert. My husband, Derek, is an introvert. And he really... He's really good with people. And if we go to a gathering, I will tell you, I probably talked to 50 people, to everybody in the room. I got a little bit about them. I know something about them, but Derek probably talked to one person and he can tell you their life story. He can tell you everything about them. Usually we'll get in the car and he'll know something about, hey, did you know his dad fought in the Vietnam War or his grandfather was in Iwo Jima? He loves um, history. So he has found out something really important and having the chance to tell them we'll be praying for them about whatever else was going on. So it takes all of us in community together to make us better. It's really important and it's really a good thing. But for you introverts, community is something that you don't necessarily look for and strive for, but it's important for you. It's important for you to be around other people, to be around believers who are gonna encourage you, who are gonna pour into you, who are going to call you out when you're not doing things that you should be doing. That's why we believe that community is so important. Now, I'm gonna ask for one more time to raise your hand. I promise this is it. But I'm gonna do a call out on the millennials because they do this so well. If you're a millennial in here, raise your hand. Yes, yes, lots of you millennials. So they do it really well. They were raised in community. They're really one of the first generations that had so much more community around them and they thrive in it. Their school projects were in community. They, they just learn so much more for being in community. And we could learn something from them. And we're gonna talk about that today. What do we do to be in community? And not just know about it, but to actually think about it, to live it out. In the New Testament, it's called koinonia, and that's a Greek word that means fellowship. And it talks about in Scripture being around other people in a Christian sense because they're going to make you stronger. They're going to build you up. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So you've got lots of communities in your life, but the different community when we're talking from a Christian perspective is, yes, you're going to have Christians in your life, but you're also going to have 
the Holy Spirit in your life because scripture says, where two or three are gathered together, I am there with them. So that's a benefit for you when you're in community that you're gonna have God's blessing there. You're gonna have God's wise words encouraging you there, helping you stay in the lane that God has called you to be, maybe to get you on the track, maybe to get you back on the track. Um, People there to support you. An interesting happen, thing happened in 2020. And I probably can't even mention the year 2020, and we all thought of one word. One, two, three, COVID. Yeah, we can't even, can't even get that out of our heads, can we? Because an interesting thing happened in COVID when we were all isolated and had to stay home for about a year. It really played a number on us mentally, and nobody thought that that was going to happen because they were trying to protect us physically, right? Now, the extroverts, we really went over the edge, right, my extrovert friends? Yes, this wore us out being home. We, we even went places. I see my mama over there. I went to my mom's, and we sat across. I'm like, we're either going to at least be in the vicinity, right? We didn't get too close to each other, but we had to be around people. Now, the introverts, you guys were living your best life, weren't you? <laughs> yes, this is great. You got to be home. You didn't have to go to be with people. You were doing your work at home, technology on Zoom and all the things that you did. You were loving it. But now we're looking back and they're saying April of 2020 to August of 2021, that the depression, the anxiety, the mental health issues are four times worse in our nation than they have ever been. Isn't that amazing? So what we thought was going to be a good thing actually turned out to be a negative thing. And there's a lot of pain and anxiety that is still around. It's not gone. When you look at people talking about some things that happened and they got in this funk and depression and they can't get out of, that's what happens with isolation. And here's the deal. You're not meant to be alone. And you're not meant to be in isolation. That's not how God created you. So you might be saying, okay, thanks, Mary. Thanks for all the encouraging news, right? What are we going to do with it? Here's what I'm going to tell you. I think the cure is. I think the cure is being around people. Being around people who are going to love you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to pull you out of something that you don't think you're ready to handle. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. They're going to put it up on the screens for us. And I think it really explains this wonderfully. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can pick the other up. I bet somebody's done that in your life for you. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So we need people around us to defend us, to help us tune out the voices of negativity that we hear in the world around us. They're going to point us back, orient us back to God, because He's the one, the author and perfecter of our faith, Scripture says, He's the one that's going to show us where our true joy, where our true happiness, where our true calling and commitment is. About a year ago, Derek and I made this huge decision. We have lived in the South Lake Keller area all of our married life. 
for over 30 years. And we the kids are all gone. We were bored, actually. We built a house in Grapevine. You guys know on the lake. You may have heard me talk about that. We were bored. So we said, hey, let's move out in the country and buy a farm. Yeah, I know what you're thinking because everybody said it. Mary, aren't you a little bougie for that? No. My daughter Caroline said, Mom, you have Kroger delivered. You don't even go to the grocery store anymore. What are you going to do? I'm like, it will happen. Um, so we moved to Springtown, bought a farm, 15 acres, that needed a lot of work. And last year we have filled five dumpsters um, of trash on this property. And, and we've been working hard for almost a year now to clean it up. And a farmhouse that needs a lot of work. I don't know if Derek is here this service. I'm sure he is because he missed the last one. And last night he's chipping up tile um, our kitchen's gutted. We don't have water in our bathroom either. So we have like an extra bath. So I filled the Home Depot bucket and put it in the tub and said, you're going to have to wash your coffee cups out in that. I, I'm, I'm done. So it, it's a little crazy, but Derek was chipping up tile and he is, I'm proud of him because he doesn't like wearing any goggles or anything, but he had those protective glasses on and somehow a towel hit him in the forehead and he's calling me, Mary, I need help, I need help. And I go in there and blood's everywhere. And I'm like, what happened? And he took his hat off and it hit him in the forehead. So he's okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm speaking tomorrow. I cannot be going to the emergency room. Okay, I wasn't my best self. I was not my best self at that moment. Why we have to do these things at nine at night, you girls with me. Yes, so, but he's, he was okay. I'm like, put the rag on it, five rags later, I said, oh, it's not that bad. Let's put a Band-Aid on it. Um, so it's a little crazy at our house right now. And many, many days I get up and go, what in the world did we do? But we love the property and we love looking out um, at those beautiful sunrises and sunsets. And the funnest thing that we did about a month ago, we bought cattle because we have to have cattle to get the ag exemption. This is the whole thing. So, um, so we had some cattle. We bought them from a guy who had, the, he had most of them on his property. And um, they're gonna show you some pictures. Yeah, see, this is what you do when, we do have a sweet grandbaby, but you, just, you show a picture of your cattle now. So this is our cattle. And um, we have five. The one in the back, I'm calling her Dolly. Derek doesn't like. I named them all after country and Western singers. And he calls them Oreo. They don't come. It's not like a dog. They don't know their names anyway. So they say Dolly's pregnant, but she's been there a month. She's not gotten any bigger. I'm not sure if she is. How in the world are we going to know? We don't know. And then the one on the far right is Reba. Um, they're both Longhorns. And then the colored one in the back is a longhorn as well, and she's Winona. And the one right behind Reba is Loretta, and the one in the front is Baby. And she's been growing like crazy. And, but, so we got the four. They all came at one time about a month ago. They didn't really like the property at first. I think they kind of weren't really sure about all this. And Derek's been working hard. He learned how to weld and watched a lot of YouTube, and we got fences up to hold them in. This is a whole thing. And... I'm going to tell you right now, our, neighbor, our neighbors are very concerned. So we have two neighbors, and they came when we moved in, and they're excited about all the work that we're doing because it was so dilapidated, but they're always concerned what mischief we're getting into. They call us the city slickers, and they say now, oh, the people from South Lake came, and I don't know if they're, they're like, you cannot, I'm like, it's a burn day. I think we're going to, they're like, no, you can't burn because you'll torch the place. So they're looking out for us, helping us a lot. And the four finally settled in. And then a couple of weeks ago, we got Winona and they did not like her. And Dolly, I say she's the alpha 
and she does not like anybody at the food but her. And here's the thing with longhorns. You know, they push people out of the way with their horns and they've really been mean to Winona and I have been very concerned about her. So I've been saving some stuff back um, and I try to give it to her, but she won't come near me. I, I don't, I'm like, I have food. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, an interesting thing has happened is they've learned to get along together and they've kind of taken her in. A couple of nights ago, remember when that big storm was coming, when it was brewing, I looked out back to see where they are and we don't have, I'm like, where are they gonna go? Our neighbors are like, they're made for this. They just stay outside. I'm like, oh, okay. So Reba and Winona were laying in the pasture really close to each other and their heads kind of laying down towards each other. And I went, ha, they've taken her in. They've taken her in now and all of them protect baby. We have a bunch of coyotes in the back property. And at night, a lot of times they kind of circle around the baby gets in the middle and they've become this community that protects, that loves, that nurtures, that takes care of, even when somebody leaves. Because Winona, they had known her when she was younger and she went to another farm for about four years. And I don't know if they were just mad at her when she came back and thought, well, you left us, you know, we're gonna punish you for a little bit. But that's what we do in community. And it happens all the time. Every single week, y'all, somebody comes in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in so long. Um, are you okay? Is everything like, yeah, we just kind of got lazy. We're just staying at home. You know, I'm like, well, come back. We want you here. We want you to be a part of this ministry because this is how God set up the church, right? Is as pastors, there's only so much we can do, but you guys on the front lines and you walk along with the people. We call it ministering to the body itself. And you guys pour into people in ways that we never could. You pull them back, you encourage them, you ask them to get back involved. And we talk about community, that's what we wanna do. We wanna be a church that is a community. Yes, it's this big room, but it's also smaller rooms. It's Bible studies, it's life groups, it's serving teams. It's serving at the Cindy Ramsey Center each and every weekend. That's the funnest group, I'm just gonna tell you. If you haven't done that yet, you show up. They get here really early, but they are having so much fun. They take care of each other, they love each other and the people who come. And there's a passage in scripture that I think is gonna inspire us to do this even better with the community that you have. It's a story in Mark 2. If you want to turn to your Bibles, we're going to have it on the screen. But it talks about these four men and one of their friends became paralyzed. And they come for a desperate search of what they can do to help him because that's what we do, right? In community, when one is down, we figure out what we can do to help them. So Mark 2, we're gonna start in verse one. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, so he had been there, you guys, if you, if you look up in the passage before he had been there, saying verse chapter one, verse 38 or so, when he'd gotten tired and he said, hey, you guys, let's take a break. Let's go to the other side of the shore. Let's rest and then we're gonna come back. And this is what has happened. He came back and the people heard that he had come home. Jesus had become a really big deal. Sometimes we read in scripture about Jesus saying, don't tell them who I am. Oh, they all knew who he was now. He had been doing signs and miracles and talking about God and saying things they had never heard before. People were coming from everywhere, walking for miles and miles to see Jesus. It, it was like, if you think of the biggest Billy Graham 
thing, crusade you've ever seen of all those people walking down to the front. That's what was going on in this passage. So they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left in this house and meeting place that they were, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. He wasn't healing because of course everybody's going to come for healing, right? He wasn't healing. He was preaching God's word to them. And they were so enamored by his word and it had come alive. Have you ever read God's scripture before or, or heard it preached? Pastor Bill does this all the time. He'll say something. I'm like, I've never seen that in that passage before. That's what Jesus' spirit within us is teaching us. That's what was going on with them at that time. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So this was his small group, you guys. This was his people. And they were desperately in search of what to do to help their friend. Have you had somebody in your life that was sick, maybe dying, maybe struggling? Maybe it was you. You guys know that feeling. I don't know what else to do. We've been to every doctor. We've prayed. We've done everything we can. So we're at our last option. So we're going to turn to God, right? Do you do that? I do that all the time. Of, oh, I called my mom. I told her. I called my best friend. I've done everything. I'm like, oh, yeah. Sorry, God. Forgot to include you in this but I need you right now to show up. That's where they were. His need moved them. As Christians, we should see a hurting world and it should move us. We shouldn't be able to look at things everybody else can look at and walk past and pretend we didn't see it. Our hearts should break when we see people in need and we should give up things that we have because we have a lot. We all have a lot. When you look at us with the rest of the world, we're a very, very wealthy nation. We, we couldn't wear all of our clothes if we wanted to, right? Do we wear the same thing? Do you guys do that? We have these certain ones and we have all these ones we're going to wear one day. These are going to fit better, right? When I get in shape, do you guys have that? I think that's something we need to do though, is to have a heart of seeing people. Sometimes we become paralyzed in our own lives. Maybe it's not a physical feeling, but maybe mentally or emotionally, Maybe we're paralyzed and we need somebody to come alongside of us and direct us to the real healer, direct us to God and walk beside us. Maybe we just need somebody to sit there. If you've been through a really horrible thing, there's really nothing anybody can say, right? There's really no words of, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the strength of somebody sitting next to you saying, you're not alone. I'm in this with you. That's what we want to do when we talk about community, especially as a church. Scripture goes on in verse four and it says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Can you see him? I want you to picture all these people coming out the door and they're trying, carrying this guy and they're trying to get him in. They couldn't even get him in and he's on a mat and they're carrying it. So they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. So back then, houses were built of stone, but their roofs were built of mud and straw, and they were kind of flat. So they kind of hauled them up. They had stairs usually that would go up to the roof. They hauled them up, and they cut a hole. And from the ceiling, this right while Jesus is talking, I'm sure they're digging this hole. Can you see them right now? Straw and mud's falling on the people below, going, what on earth is going on? And then... They see this paralyzed guy. Scripture goes on to say, 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he saw all their faith. Yes, the friends, he saw their faith, but he also saw the paralytic's faith because he didn't have to go, right? He could have said, y'all, do you know what I've been through? Do you know how many doctors I've been to? Do you know what all I've done? And no one yet has been able to heal me. I'm not doing it again. But he said, okay, let's give it another shot. If my friends are believing, sometimes when we have people around us that believing it gives us the strength to believe. Have you done that before with people? Maybe they're going through a hard time or maybe it's a divorce. Maybe they think their life is over. I, I, don't, I don't see anything good and you're next to them. Or maybe it's you saying, don't give up. Greater things are ahead. I know it looks bleak right now, but I promise you, God's gonna be here for you. You're not alone. You're gonna make it through this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Interesting, isn't it, that he started with the internal. He knew something had been going on in this guy's life. And he's like, let's just clear this up right now. All your sins are forgiven. You're good spiritually. Because that's what Jesus does. He addresses the insides of us, our spiritual life before the external. We all want the external. We all want, let's fix, hey, come on. We got things to do, things to work on. We want all this fixed really quick. But Jesus has said, really, most important thing to me is that you have a relationship with God, so you will eternally be in heaven one day. Verse six says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. They didn't say it out loud. They were thinking in their heads, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Basically, who does he think he is? We're the teachers of the Bible. He can't come in telling people that he's gonna forgive their sin and heal people immediately. Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Don't you know they got called out? Freaked them out a little bit, right? Jesus says, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man, I want you to remember that word, son of man, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Son of man, why would he say, not say, usually he says, I'm the son of God. Mark says son of man a lot in his book when you read the thing all the way through. And Jesus is showing the humanity of himself. He's saying, yes, I'm the son of God and I can forgive sin, but I'm also the son of man. And because I'm 100% human and 100% man, I know everything that you are struggling with. The hard times you've gone through in your life, the disappointment, the betrayal, all of the things, Jesus went through it as well. He's not a God that does not understand us and feel what we have felt. And he wanted that to be clear as he was moving forward into his ministry. I get you, I see you, I know and I'm gonna be with you. And he says a lot, when I leave, my spirit will come. When I leave, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, he calls it, the helper is gonna be with you when you believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. You have God's spirit with you all of the time. It's a blessing that we have as believers. 
that we get to have God with us all the time. We're never alone. I love this because it says he got up. I think I would have said, oh man, I've been paralyzed for a long time. I'm really weak. I'm really tired. I think I need something to drink, something. No, he didn't. He got up immediately. He took his mat. He walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So Jesus saw their faith and he moved on their faith. Do you have faith like this? Do you have faith that when something looks really hard or you don't think you can do it, God, I know what you're asking me to do, but honestly, I I don't have it. You're the one. God wants to use you because he wants to be glorified in a situation that only you can do. Say yes to him because here's the deal. Guess what? He'll pick somebody else. If you don't want to do it, he'll say, but then you'll miss the blessing and the excitement of getting to see, just like those people, I want you to be able to say, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know how God worked this out. I was talking to a girl recently and she was telling me about their money struggles and some things they've been struggling with. We've been praying for a while. And she came up to me a couple of weeks ago and she said, you're not gonna believe, I got this check. They said I'd been overpaying my mortgage and we didn't even know why. And I got this check for like $4,000. And it was like, literally, it was like $4,133. And she goes, guess what my bills were? $4,130. I go, and God left you $3. You can go get a Coke maybe, right? So, um, which is another story. But that's what God does when we trust him. He shows up. She said, I almost said, I can't give my money to the church this week. I I know, but I I know the church will understand because I really need to pay my bills. And she said, and then God showed up. And I'll I'll never in my whole life not trust him again. Interesting thing about community is you're going to have people alongside of you, as she did, was telling me her life group was praying for her, helping her, taking her food, um, doing a lot of things in her life that gave her the courage to trust him. But when you do that and you step into community, you allow people to see the real you, to take off the mask. You're gonna have some opportunities to say, man, things aren't going so good for me right now. Y'all just pray. That's what we do when we're in community. And when people get to know the real you, not the fake you, but the real you, that's when they step up and really want to help you. I think our first community is our family. And I was the baby of the family. Go ahead, I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, you're the baby, yeah. Yes, I I say the baby has it harder than anybody else because we gotta undo all that crazy stuff you other people did um, to get our family to believe in us. And um, my sister, I was three years older, she's the middle child. I say she's my big little sister, y'all. She's 5'2", on her tiptoes. She's blonde-headed, fair-skinned. We look nothing alike. We told her she was adopted for a really long time just to kind of mess with her. But um, my brother and I look a lot alike. She doesn't. She was the middle, so she was the people pleaser. My brother and I were a little fighting crazy. She was trying to keep the peace as middle children do, right? So I got to give kudos to her because she lived with me. We shared a room for a long time. And she said, oh my Lord, I went to sleep with Mary talking. I woke up with Mary talking. She exhausts me. Um, So that's my sweet sister. So uh, a few years ago, she had gone through a divorce. She was a single mom. She had two um, sweet, beautiful young girls. We're all 
thrilled to have them all in our family. And she had taken them to a movie at South Lake Harkins. And they were, it was, do y'all remember back in the day, it was like Twilight, you would watch the one that was already out. And then you'd stay and they would show the new one at like midnight. So I'm like, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. So she took her girl. She's a good mom. They wanted to go. And, and she took them to the movie. And I got a call about 1 a.m. from Whitney, um, the oldest of the two. And she said, Aunt Mary, something's wrong with mom. Um, she's fallen down. We don't know what's going on. The paramedics are here. And I said, where is she? And she said, she's with the paramedic. And I said, like any sister, well, give the phone to the paramedic. I'm not talking to a child, right? So she did. She gave the phone to the paramedic. And I said, hey, I'm Kapal's sister. You know, what's going on? And, and he said, well, I don't know. Something's off with the right side of her face. And he said, she said she's had Bell's palsy before. And this could be that. You know, we're not really sure what to do. And I said, well, we live about 10 minutes away. Hang tight. I'm on my way. Told Derek bring your car so you can take the girls home. I'm guessing I'm probably taking my sister to the hospital. So that's what we did. We got there and I, I parked illegally, all the things. And I, I walked in and I saw her and I said, come with me. I knew right then something wasn't right. Now, on the, on the side of the paramedics, if you were looking at her and you didn't know her, you would probably be thinking, well, this doesn't look bad. She looks okay. But I knew, I know her. I know what her eyes look like. I know when the light comes, she squints her right eye because it's a little bit weaker. You guys know, your siblings, this is our first community, our first family. We know everything about them. And I knew something was off. So I said, come on, we're going to get in the car. I'm taking her to the hospital. And they said, we'll take her. I'm like, no, I'll just drive her. Um, it's close. I'm a little control freak. I want her in the car with me. So we walk out, we get to the car and she's trying to touch the car door handle and she couldn't grab it. And then I knew it's a stroke. So I opened the door and I put her in. I put her seatbelt on. I shut the door and I said, we're going to the hospital. And she said, I'm not going. I'm like, what are you going to do? You can't even open the car door. Yes, we're going. So she came, we got to the hospital and I told the nurse at the triage, I think my sister's had a stroke. And they said, okay. And they took her back and she did. She, she was having a stroke. So it was some rehab. She's 100% now. She's doing great. Took some time and effort, but she wasn't listening to me. She was listening to the doctor. When the doctor started telling her what it was, then she started listening and she had to stay there a little while until she was completely released and healed. But that's what we do when we know people. And that's what community does. We are in a different sense, but we're to take people to the great physician. I wasn't going to help her. I, I don't know anything to do to help all of this and the right medicines. I needed to take her to the person who I knew without a doubt could diagnose this and could heal her. And if we don't have a community around us helping us do that, and if you are not that community for other people, who knows what's going to happen, right? If I wouldn't have gone, she would have gone home and gone to bed, and I don't know what would have happened with her. So I think as a church and as community, this is what we are called to do. We're called to be that for someone else. So even if you think, man, I've got it together. I don't need people. They need you because you all have different jobs. You have different backgrounds, different specialties, different knowledge in your wealth of life that God wants to use to minister to his body, to minister to his people that he has brought within us. God didn't intend for us to live in isolation. He created 
community for a specific reason. But don't take it from me. I'm going to give you five quick principles and we're going to go home of why you need community in your life in hopes that you will feel the need to do it. So number one, community is encouraging. In the negative world we live, we hear a lot of negative, depressing things, don't we? But community is encouraging. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up on meeting together. Don't give up. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Number two, communities love. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive us, the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Colossians, that's Colossians 3, 13 and 14. Community is life-giving. In a world where we live that people are sucking everything they can from you, wanting all they can from you, community is a place that you can go, that people are giving, giving life, encouraging walking alongside, pouring into you when you have need, giving you things that you need. First Peter 4, 8 through 11 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Extroverts, this is for us. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Community is fun. I didn't want to leave this out because sometimes we go, oh, I'm going to go with these boring people and um, they're just going to wear me out. No, community is fun when you get people together. Um, there's creative people, there's fun people, there's people who love to cook things and um, do activities and things that you wouldn't do if you were not in a community. Psalm 133.1 says, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. And number five, communities commanded. John 15, 12 and 13 says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you for greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friend. So my challenge for us today is to find community and live it out. Use the gifts God's given you. Take from them the encouragement, the strength, their prayers that they want to give you. Ephesians 4, 2, and 2 through 6 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. As Ellie was saying, this is what we all have in common. We have our Lord in common who wants us to be in community with other people. And he promises to be there with us not just today, not just on Sunday. But when you wake up on Monday and you're like, oh, here comes the week, right? You're gonna have the Lord. He promises to give us the strength for those who are pressing into him. He's gonna help us 
have the joy, have the outlook, and maybe see something in somebody else that we wouldn't have seen if we weren't looking for it. Let's pray. Father God, give us strength to be completely humble and gentle, just like you were talking about, and to be patient, bearing with one another in love. I know we're tired. And it seems like sometimes I can barely handle my own things. I can't take on somebody else's right now. But Lord, I know your word says, you're gonna give us the strength. We can do things because of you living inside us that we couldn't do on our own, Lord. I want us to be people who look around and say, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen God fill me up, give me strength, encourage me to do the things that I didn't think were possible to do. If we don't have community, help us find one. If there's people in this room who would love to have some relationships with people, Lord, I pray today they'll go out to one of those counters and say, hey, I want to get plugged in. What serving groups are there? What Bible studies are there? What life groups are there? I want to be in a group of believers in a group of community. And Father, if there's anybody in this room or in the sound of my voice, Lord, online, that does not have a relationship with you, that can't say your spirit is living within them, that they're not sure if they died tonight, if they would go to heaven, Lord. I pray today's the day they, they make a, a turn and they turn towards you knowing that you love them more than anybody else and you want the best for them. Lord, that they would say in their heart of hearts, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know that you're the Savior and that you died on the cross and you rose three days later for my sin and I choose you now. I turn from the life that I was leaving. I want you to be the Lord of my life and I want to follow you. I want today to be a new start. Thank you for hearing my prayer and coming into my heart because scripture says if we call on the name of the Lord, he is there. Thank you for my friends here today. I pray for your protection around them. I pray for their businesses. I pray for their work. I pray for their families. I pray for healing. I pray for health. I pray for an attitude of joy that comes only from you. And I pray that as a church, we continue to support and build community and love around everyone that is here. We know that you're a God who changes lives and circumstances. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.